Hey everyone, welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion, so come on with me and let's do this. Hey, 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 so if you've been listening to the pod chronologically, then you will recognize the ice cream brand Malai. They sponsored the past handful of episodes, and today I'm really excited to have Pooja Bavishi on the podcast. She is the founder of Malai Ice Cream. She's super awesome, and she has a really, really interesting story. She has a background in fair and affordable housing, and she got her master's in urban planning. Then she made a huge pivot and started an ice cream company. It's going really well. She started it three years ago in 2015. She got a big break at Smorgasburg in New York City. And now she is just opening a storefront in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. It's opening at the beginning of next year. But for now, she has a pop-up in the storefront on Smith Street. I sat down with Pooja at her pop-up, which at this point is basically a big open space. They still need to do a lot of the construction for it to become the first ever Malai storefront. But before we hop into today's interview... I'd like to introduce you all to someone special. I am in Milan, Italy right now, and I'm sitting next to my best friend, Miss Laura Mancinelli. Hello. <laughs> Laura happens to be fluent in Italian, so she has been my translator for this project that I've been doing in Italy. I wanted to bring Laura on the pod because she is someone who I bring up in conversation all the time when people talk about transitioning from one job to the next or just career path in general. So I thought while I'm with her, I wanted her to tell her story from her own lips. So Lara, what were you doing like five years ago and what are you doing now? Five years ago, I think I just moved to Brazil after finishing a master's in philosophy and contemporary critical theory in London. And I decided to take an intensive coding course so that I could be a software developer. While you were still in Brazil, you decided that you wanted to be a coder? Yes, <laughs> which is quite a divergence from my past steps, which I think kind of had some thread of coherence. I mean, I guess it does make sense to me knowing you because you've never seen anyone do Sudoku <laughs> like Lara does Sudoku. Yeah, you do it so fast. <laughs> the very basic. <laughs> Laura, thank you for sharing your story with everyone. And that is thematically spot on with today's guest, Pooja Bavishi. She started an ice cream company called Malai Ice Cream. Before that, she was in urban planning. So uh, she, <laughs> Laura's still here if you can't tell. I got excited about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Pooja talks about how those two interests of hers, actually, they can be combined. They don't have to be two separate things. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pooja. Hi, Pooja. Hi. How are you? I'm good. So happy to see you. Thank you. It's, I'm so happy to see you and thank you for being on the podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's an exciting time for Malai ice cream. It is. <laughs> We're sitting right now in your pop-up store. Yes. Yep. Right on Smith Street in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, which yes. for anyone who's not familiar with Brooklyn or this area, it is a prime location. It's, it's a good spot for ice cream for sure. It's a lot of, yeah, a lot of people who are like really willing to try new flavors, which is really cool to see. 
which is cool and key because yeah. your flavors, although they're not like super extreme, they are, I think, to the typical New Yorker yeah. palette or American palette, like a little interesting. Yeah. So all of our flavors are inspired by spices and kind of just like desserts and dishes that I grew up with. My parents immigrated here from Western India and these spices are so familiar to me and I realized that it wasn't so a part of um, like mainstream ice cream specifically. It was really just part of mainstream desserts. Um, And so I would very like very often just use these spices to flavor desserts that I would make. I just loved making desserts and I realized that ice cream has a super blank palate. It's just milk and cream and sugar. So like whatever you flavor it with is a flavor that it takes on. And the more robustly you flavor it, the better the ice cream will be in my opinion. And so I just happened to flavor it with these spices that I grew up with. And that's how Malai was born. You have gotten rave reviews from like a lot of press, including the New York Times, Thrillist, The Taste of India in a cone. <laughs> Do you agree with that? I mean, it's it's very it's very generous. I will say that. We are doing something different. I mean, it's it's just it's it's not really found in the mainstream ice cream world. Every single flavor, every single one of our flavors is super brand focused. So there's a lot of people doing a lot of these flavors in, in their ice cream shops. Like turmeric, for example, became super popular just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and like that, that's that's a pretty like, especially in New York and urban settings, that's a pretty not atypical ice cream flavor. You, you kind of see it in places. It um, has become a super trendy ingredient. It's become very, very trendy. Rose, cardamom, like these these flavors are even three years ago I was kind of hesitant to debut them and three years later they've become such a part of like the mainstream palette do you feel like you have done much to add to that so you started in 2015 three years ago so when you're mentioning that three years ago these things weren't existing that's when you started I think that trends were kind of gearing towards like Asian flavors anyway. At that time, it was really popular to see kind of green tea and black sesame and taro and all of those flavors, East Asian flavors in ice cream, um, but not really in that South Asian world. And so it was kind of it was kind of going in that direction anyway. I, I'm certainly not going to take credit <laughs> for that. Every single one of our flavors, though, is completely brand focused. There's nothing that we're doing just because it's on trend, just because it's oh, like wow. the new hot thing. Do you have the staple? standard flavors that are not necessarily South Asian focused? We do have more accessible flavors if you look at the menu board right now. Um, So we have a sea salt vanilla. We have a salted brown butter pecan. We have a red chili chocolate. But even with that, we have our own twist. So sea salt vanilla that that does come back to my childhood. I used to sprinkle salt on my vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream was just a little too sweet for me. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to say that I was a trendsetter there either. Like, it wasn't like sea salt. It really wasn't like anything. Fancy flaky stuff. Yeah, it was just like, this needs a little something. Wow, that's really incredible, though. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's let's rewind. Sure. And let's go all the way back to the days that you're a kid. Yeah. You think to put a little bit of salt on your ice cream, which to me actually shows that you had a pretty sophisticated palate, even at a young age, that you thought, let's see, how does this taste and how can I adjust it so that it's right for me? Yeah, I, I like to say that I'm like a combination of my parents cooking. So like my mom is a very traditional Indian cook and like she she does something like she makes these dishes that are so traditionally accurate and they're spot on and they taste the same every single time. 
Um, but my dad also loves to cook, and he is not at all a rule follower when it comes to cooking. Sounds like me. And yes, I like just, your like, dad. Grabs yeah. things, yeah, and it, like it always tastes good. Yeah, but kind of with a question mark. Right, right. <laughs> but, but like, but something that you constantly want to go back to. And so, like, we we kind of grew up to like always try new things and always be open to. Like, my mom would always say that like have three bites of it and then tell me you don't like it. So like we always were open to new palettes I and like new that tastes. Rule. Yeah. It's a good mom rule. Um, yeah, it's a good mom <laughs> rule. Um, I still have the things that I don't like. But like but with that we were just open to all these like twists on flavors, right? So I don't know if it was just like my palate as much as it was my interest. Mm-hmm. Like I just was so interested in like how these flavors work together and combinations and like my passion was behind like reading about it and like just testing recipes and seeing how it worked that's so cool okay so you had the interest you had the passion and then you get your master's at the london school of economics and you go into urban planning yeah yeah okay so (laughs) is there much to say about that or should we just go to the transition (laughs) into ice cream um well, I mean, I, I think the thing about that was I had a career in affordable housing, fair and affordable housing for a while before I got my master's in London, which also added to like my food interests living in Europe for a little while. Yeah. Um, as you know. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that the aspect that I really am taking from that background, my that like past career, is that I do want Malai to have a double bottom line eventually. I do want that social aspect to be a part of it. That's really important to me. That was a huge huge part of my career and although I love taking my passion and making that into my career I don't want to forget that part of it like I have these multiple interests that's amazing yeah it in fact it it makes all the more sense really maybe especially for your demographic being here in Cobble Hill Brooklyn the, the people who would come here to eat Malai ice cream are probably the kind of people who would care that they're also putting their money towards a social enterprise. I agree. I think that businesses these days in general are just, are going towards that, that like we we can have, we don't have to start businesses just for a certain aspect, just for a product, just for a technology, whatever it might be. I do think that you have to prove yourself in whatever market, like these markets are very saturated. And so like you do have to prove yourself and differentiate and have a great product for sure. But you can add to the good part of it too and you can have that social good and that social component and not take away from your business and in fact add to it that's amazing and you're right that it is i don't think it's not just a cobble hill thing i think that people in this area care about these things and and they make purchase like their purchasing decisions are affected by it as well so i do agree with that completely but i think just it's a trend in general right which is a great trend yeah it's something i can get behind you decide that you want to start this dessert business and from my understanding, your parents were like your cheerleaders from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they, they were remembering <laughs> little Pooja. Yeah. So into all this stuff. Yeah. And so... So I, I actually... I've been... For as long as I can remember, I wanted my own dessert business. Even like when I had these... Like when I was in school and I was, you know, doing all of these other things with my career. Um, and the back of my mind and kind of just like out loud as well, I, I would always talk about eventually I would have my own dessert business. So when you say dessert business, were you not necessarily thinking ice cream? Not at all. So that's Whoa. a part of all of this that I just did not know what that concept was. Hmm. I hadn't started making ice cream until about three months before I started Malai. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. 
it's crazy. Like I always thought of ice cream as being supplemental. Yeah. As like, you know, yeah, it could add to a dessert, but it's not the dessert. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things that like started in Malai. One was that I, I was in business school. I was recruiting for jobs and nothing was really sticking. And so like one aspect of the story was that I went to a professor to talk about how I wasn't really excited about any of the jobs that I was recruiting for. And I very distinctly remember him saying, what do you want to do? Do you like, let's just narrow it down. Do you want strategy? Do you want finance? Do you want marketing? When you see yourself in five years, what do you want to be an expert in? What, like, what do you want your career to be? And I responded by saying, I want to do it all. And so I had talked about that dessert business so much that even he said at that point, he was like, it looks like it's time to start that business of yours. Because an entrepreneur is the only thing you could do then. Yeah. yeah. How would you describe the entrepreneurial mindset? It's hard. <laughs> um, I, w I, I think that like, so my, my parents, going back to my parents being supportive, my parents are entrepreneurs. Oh. And so for my entire life, my dad has had his own business and my mom's always helped him in his business. It's a textile business he produces in India and sells here. And he's super, like, I've never seen any two people work harder or like want things more than, than they do, right? Wow. Like they just like want, like they want these things that they're going after. And like, it's just such dedication and such passion and like such hard work. But I've seen the ups and downs with that as well. Yeah. You've seen it firsthand. Exactly. Exactly. But like, but that being said, I remember my dad around the same time that I was talking to my professor, my dad saying that like, you'll get a job and then what? And, and like, that's kind of just, he like left open this like open-ended question. He just, he was like, then what? And, and I was like, well, then I'll have a job. Yeah. It's like paycheck, <laughs> am father. I, am paycheck. I answering yeah. this question, right? Like, <laughs> and then he was like, don't you want to build something for yourself? Like for as long as I've known you, you wanted your own business. Like why not start it now? And so like knowing that like, even though they had, like they had a lot of hardships and they had like definitely like went through a lot with their own business, they were still like the only thing they could see for me was for me to have my own. Wow. And so like that was like pretty powerful to me to like to know that and to know that I have their complete support in an industry they knew nothing about and that I honestly knew nothing about. I was just a hobbyist. Did you feel like pressure from that or did it just feel like support and that it was lifting you up? You know how sometimes parents just know you a little bit better than you know yourself? Yes. So it was just one of those moments yeah. that like, like my parents were just like, we know you're just scared, mm -hmm. right? Like we know that this is a step that you need to take and you know it as well, yeah. but you just need to take it now. It takes a lot of courage. It does. Yeah. It does. Okay. So what step. were your first steps then when you so decided steps, to do this? I mean, like I, like I said, I, I was a hobbyist. And so I didn't know the first thing about running a food business. There was a lot of Googling involved. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and like, and to be honest, there's still Googling involved. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Oh my God. I feel the same way. Yeah. Like, everything I do I'm like is there a YouTube video for this exactly <laughs> right for anything yeah um but I quickly found this course at Penn State it's called ice cream short course and actually a lot of like famed ice cream geniuses have been there before so it's a week-long course and it's so I, I did two versions of the course um the first right after I decided to start the business in the second the second year but um it basically teaches you how to make commercial ice cream rather than just like an at-home Cuisinart version right. of- Which of, is all I've ever done, which is- Which is delicious. Which is delicious and so much fun. But yeah, 
taking that to a like mass scale production I I wouldn't even know how to start that right I mean mostly it was just that like I mean I thought that I could just scale up that recipe honestly I uh -huh. did but mostly like it was just there's so much science involved with ice cream making and with the freezing aspect and milk solids and milk fat and how they work together and like all of these things that I had no idea about yeah other ice cream brands that I love include Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. Yes. I mean, I'm an Ohioan. It started in Columbus. It so, totally did. You know. Ohio has great ice cream. Ohio, graters. Graters so yeah. good. Yeah, so good. But so Jenny has has started opening up storefronts nationwide. Yeah. Is that, like, can you even think that far ahead? I know you're still just, like, in the excitement of opening your first storefront. Totally. But is, yeah. that, is that in the future for you? First of all, let's just talk about how awesome Jenny is. Like, she's just, like, such an inspiration for all of these artisanal ice cream shops have popped up. I feel like she's an inspiration for every female entrepreneur ever out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but especially food entrepreneur. Yes. Like, man, like she has like completely recalibrated the ice cream market. The quality that she puts out, like it's unbelievable. And that that's what the standard is. And innovation, right? And innovation, exactly. Yeah. And like the big business that she built. But I think for me, um, it's kind of a work in progress. I didn't even think that I wanted one storefront. I thought that it was going to be a wholesale business, maybe some events, like weddings and events. This is like back when I started in 2015. and But we got our first break at Hester Street Fair, and then we went to Smorgasburg, and these are all like outdoor food markets in New York. And when, what we realized is that when we were at trade shows or any kind of industry event people would recognize us and they would be like i saw you here i read about you here we got some press through that and i was just like there's there's something about direct-to-consumer that is so powerful mm -hmm. that like interacting with your customers having the immediate feedback the customers knowing who you are like that's that's so important to a brand but more most importantly it's important to an ice cream brand there's so much innovation that's happening and there is a lot of recalibration of the market and there is a lot of making space on ice cream frozen shelves for newer brands to come in however that feeling of going to an ice cream shop on a warm summer night with your friends and getting a couple of cones that feeling is so nostalgic and oh, so yeah. important to oh, the yeah. to any kind of brand that ice cream brand that I, you just it's so it's it's honestly just so powerful and so like we uh, it was like that moment that I was like, we have to have a shop. And I don't know if like with this one shop, if it will be our flagship store and this will be it. And like, you know, we are just established in Brooklyn um, or if it will be like franchising all over the world or like Jenny's where we open up scoop shops over the, all over the country. That's that's still TBD. TBD. Um, but I'm really, really happy with this first yeah. one. You clearly you have experience behind you at this point and you know what you know what you're saying and the way you're talking about the market and branding and all this stuff. How much of going to business school did yeah. that give you and how much of it was just real life experience? Yeah, a lot of people will disagree with me here. A lot of people will think that, you know, you learn on your job, on the job with being an entrepreneur and you do. There's like, there's nothing about the ice cream <laughs> industry that I learned about in business school. Um, but I was coming from a completely different background. I was coming from nonprofits. I was coming from a very social sector. Um, and I feel like I tap into my business school knowledge daily. It gives you a different language to speak in and make you 
more have a, a greater know-how of these things that like I, I wouldn't have known at all before including accounting yeah oh my gosh <laughs> like, the numbers yeah numbers <laughs> financing yeah. but even like even things like it was because of business school that I knew before I even sold my own my first scoop I knew that um, I wanted to establish the branding. We needed to set ourselves apart in this very, very saturated market. Important first steps. Right, right, exactly. What is your most popular flavor? So by far, our most popular fav- flavor is the rose with cinnamon roasted almonds. How would you describe that? I wouldn't describe it as a party in your mouth. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of hits. So rose is a very, very common flavor in South Asian desserts. So it's something that I grew up with, very common, as common as like a vanilla would be, like it would just be at every single dinner party, party, you know, gathering, whatever. Malai means milk fat, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so how did you decide on that name? And at what point in the business plan did you decide on that name? Yeah, I honestly, I very, very honestly cannot remember when I decided on Malai. It was so early on, like so, so one of the first decisions that I remember just calling it Malai from the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Like, I, I honestly cannot remember when that happened. But Malai actually, so like Malai actually figuratively means cream of the crop. It means like the best of something. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it does mean milk fat. Right. Very <laughs> technically. But like if you want the best of something, you want the Malai of something. And so I, I think like that's the kind of general meaning that I was pulling from. I, but honestly, like I, that was one of the first things that I, like I called it Malai from the very beginning, which, you know, like if I like look back, I wonder if I had like taken the time of actually going through a process, if it would have been something else, you know, like right. people say it wrong all the time. Like the pronunciation. How do people say Malay? Malay. Oh, I guess I could see that. Yeah. yeah. They think it's Malaysian ice cream. Oh. There's nothing in it that really kind of screams South Asian. Hmm. On that note, do you feel any pressure about representing your heritage accurately or well in your business in what you do as kind of like the face of South Asian flavors well I think that just like ice cream I think that South Asian like this like new age of South Asian food of children of immigrants is like is also experiencing a boom right now Um, I think that these flavors are becoming much more common and much more accepted I don't feel pressure in the sense that I'm the face of this. I don't. I don't feel that pressure. I. I do. Like staying on brand is very, very important to me. Like having flavors that are on brand, having you know, like an experience that's on brand. You know, like that represents me. So like I'm not. I didn't grow up in India. Um, I grew up in North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Similar. Oh wait, no. Yeah. Um, But I had this like very Indian American upbringing. And was there much of an Indian community? There was absolutely an Indian community, and like we're very close to our extended family, and and so and we went to India. We saw family in India and, and I still go every single year. So there's such a huge part of me that that, that aspect is so important to me and that cultural aspect. But I'm, I'm also not Indian, right? Like I'm not 100% Indian. Like I grew up here. And so this is a representation of that. Just even the fact that like you can't get more American than ice cream. Mm-hmm. So even like having this like showcase in ice cream rather than like one of the very common um, frozen Indian desserts called kulfi, um, which is an ice cream 
that's not churned. So you don't put any air into it. A lot of people ask us if this is cool fee, but it's not. This is like, it's a combination of things, right? So even like our flavors, like the pumpkin garam masala crumble, I mean, we can't get more combination than that, right? Like pumpkin is not a flavor that you find in India, but garam masala is literally a spice that I use every single time I cook any kind of Indian food, right? So it's just, it's just, it's important for me to really just like check myself and stay on brand. And as long as that, that story's authentic, I don't feel the pressure, right, of like, of kind of convincing anyone else that I'm doing anything right or wrong. Do you feel like you have a community of fellow entrepreneurs, whether they be food entrepreneurs or just other people going through a similar thing you go through? Because I think it can be a little bit isolating when you own a business and are working hard at it even if you have people helping you. Yeah, I I think that one of the things that I was most surprised and not expecting of of starting my own business, and tell me if you feel the same, is is this how lonely it is. Yeah. Um, And like, I... I think that it's really easy to just focus on your business and like that's that's your livelihood as well. So there's a direct correlation of how much work you put into it and how much like actual returns you yeah, have. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it and um and that can be very very isolating like you said. And it's not easy to have a team around you at the beginning as well because you don't have money. Like, yeah. you know? yeah. like, and, and you need to make sure that like they believe in you and they believe in your product. Right. I mean, and- delegating responsibility to people for something that you hold so close to your heart, yeah. is, I-, I would find that very challenging. I have rarely had to even do it, but... Yeah, sometimes I'll have like a production team where it's like, here, okay, now you edit this, but I'm used to editing all my own stuff. So then it's like, do I trust you to edit this the way I would? Yeah, I mean, delegation is the only way we are going to grow. But I agree with you 100% that like letting go of responsibility and recognizing what your role is in the company um, is, is a huge growing pain. I have to say that Brooklyn is like the place to be when you're starting a, like a food business Amazing. because there's so many resources. And yeah. so I started, um, out of the shared kitchen space called Brooklyn food works, which is now called pilot works. Um, and there's so many small food businesses that work out of there. And that's just given me such a great community of so people. you guys all really do like do you f- form friendships and like trade those stories are your, it's like basically like going to work those are your work friends yeah. right yeah like you're they going get through. it they get what yeah. you're going through exactly yeah. and like you share resources right you you say like well i need a vendor for whatever it might be for cardamom do you have one and you know like you share resources and, and you and you talk about how like last week really, really sucked, but this is what's on the horizon and they're the only ones that will get it or they'll, they'll be the only ones that will understand that you had to cancel, you know, f- plans on friends at extremely, like extremely last minute because someone didn't show up and you had to go like man the fair yourself, you know, like things like that, that like, that not everyone will understand if they're not going through it themselves. Um, they will get it. And I, I'm so lucky to have that community because of, like just because of how lonely it is. You mentioned Jenny Britton Bauer as a mentor. Is there anyone else or any like books or podcasts or like who or what do you turn to for inspiration? Yeah. Well, I mean, I so Jenny Britton Bauer for sure. And of course, my parents who I've, I've talked about extensively, but also... I love listening to how I built this. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my with God. Guy Raz, so yeah. Good. It's so, it's just like so much like, okay, 
they were there before too, right? Yep. Like it wasn't just like this big business right, right from the very beginning. Like people yeah. had real struggles. And so it's it's just like reassuring more than anything else. But I mean, honestly, like even like New York ice cream people, um, Fanny Gerson from La Yorkina has been so amazing in, in our growth. Um, and then like other food entrepreneurs, like I, there's a, there's a Facebook group that used to be like a, like an actual like activities group for women in food and hospitality called Toklas, which you probably know about. Um, but um, they had this mentorship program three years ago, right when I was starting the business. And I applied to it and I got this mentor, Agatha Kulaga from Ovenly, which is an amazing bakery. Yes. Um, and she is so awesome. And so she was supposed to be my mentor for six months. And I've held on. Yeah. <laughs> Not life. letting her go. And I still like, I still update her like monthly. I still see her like every couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm just like so, so lucky to have That's her. That's amazing. And yeah. well, what's cool about that story too, is that you sought out someone like that. Yeah. Like you were like, I would like a mentor now, please. <laughs> and so you right. went to get it. You didn't just sit on your couch and go, gosh, I hear people talking about having mentors. Like I wish I had yeah, one. I think that like, it's, it's very easy to not. And I often fall in that trap as well, that like I can figure it out myself. Mm. I can Google myself. I can ask these questions. But if you have someone in your corner and that like that is a little bit more invested in you and that they want to see you succeed, why not? Yeah. Right. Like, why not seek that out? Yeah. And, and like and and then like you also have this relationship that you know that eventually that you will get to a pl place where you will be able to mentor as well. Mm. And that's kind of cool. And this like give like these things are constantly happening and people are starting food businesses all the time. And it's like cool to be able to give back. It is super super cool. Pooja, how do oh. you keep it quirky in your life, in your business? Oh, man. Well, I will say that I I live with my sister, <laughs> which is a really easy way to, like, kind of de-stress. Lighten it up. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like some sister hang time. Yeah. Like, she has, like, she has no patience for yeah. any of, any of <laughs> anything. She's just, like, even, so a couple of days ago, we went to go see Crazy Rich Asians, which I had been wanting to see for so long. And my phone was just blowing up with texts, like, work texts, like, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And so I turned to my sister and I was like, I think I'm going to have to go. And she looked at me and she was like, sit down. <laughs> you are off right now. And I was like, okay. You know, yeah. like that's like an older sister will never be able to what's, tell you. What's your sister's name? Janie. So shout out Janie. <laughs> Thanks for keeping Pooja quirky. Pooja, thank you so much for thank coming on the you. podcast. I'm so excited about this. I cannot wait to see where Malai ice cream goes. Thanks again to Pooja. The Malai pop-up is at 268 Smith Street in Cobble Hill, and it'll be going on through the rest of 2018 until its grand opening next year. Be sure to follow their Instagram, at Malai underscore ice cream, M-A-L-A-I underscore ice cream. And thank you to my brother, Brian Quinn, for the awesome theme song you hear here. Keep it quirky, and I'll see you next week. From Milan, Italy, ciao!